I just know how to put my head down, two ears, one mouth, listen, work hard, learn. I, I use a term around here in Texas, if you can fix things with duct tape and bob wire, I can teach you how to be a good mechanic and make six figures. So I realized that college isn't for everyone. It's just not. And as long as you just work hard within reason, you can make a successful living. It doesn't have to be lonely at the top. And, and if you find the right peer group, it won't be. I'm going to find out how to make the youth of the world today fit with what we can do together. You guys are much smarter than we were. You have access to too many more things. You didn't have to go get an encyclopedia off of a shelf to figure something out. All you got to do is ask Siri. That's the smartest woman I've ever met. Well, hey there. If we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. It was a few months ago now that I had a phone call scheduled with someone who was inquiring about becoming a Path for Growth customer. Specifically, they were interested in the one-on-one coaching that we provide. And that phone call was with a guy named Gerald Nichols. Now, I had never met Gerald before this phone call, but I'll tell you, the call was scheduled for, I think, 30 minutes, and we may have talked for an hour 15. I remember I was actually on a walk in Franklin, Tennessee, as we were talking. And I just learned so much in such a short period of time. I learned that Gerald is the president and owner of a company called Amber Electrical. I learned that they have over 100 team members, that he's done a lot of work in the past three years to invest in the organization's culture and structure and systems and processes. And I also learned a lot about Gerald's personality. This guy has a personality that is larger than life. And we just had such a good conversation. I think I laughed harder than I had in a long time, just because this guy has some one-liners and some go-to sayings that are just so good. And you'll hear some of them in this conversation. But Gerald ended up becoming a one-on-one Path for Growth client. And he's also just become an integral member of the Path for Growth community. And over the course of the past few months, I've started to observe how he is pouring into, investing in, encouraging, supporting, and challenging the members of our community. And I started to ask the question, well, maybe he's not just a customer, maybe he's a coach. And at first I thought, Alex, that's a ridiculous idea. You can't make a customer into a coach. And then I thought, well, that's so crazy. It might just work. And so as we started to talk to Gerald, he just got so unbelievably excited about the idea that he could take everything that he's learned in the decades that he's been a business owner, and he could start leveraging that to pour into and invest in the lives of others. And we said, well, that's kind of what we believe. Strength is for service. And so I'm sharing this with you for two reasons. Number one is that Gerald is now on board as a Path for Growth coach. And then number two, as we build this coaching team, myself and Zach and our whole team have really decided that as coaches, we do not want to be professional advice givers. We're not going to be people that sit on the sidelines and spectate as other people lead their businesses. No, we are going to be practitioners. So every coach at Path for Growth is going to be someone that has owned or currently owns a business and has operationalized it to such a degree that they have the time, the margin, the ability, and the freedom to now pour into the lives of others. And man, this conversation is just so wide ranging with regard to everything that Gerald has learned as a business owner, to everything that he's excited about coaching and leading and investing in other people. But I'll tell you, the thing that I think most inspires me about Gerald is not just what he's been able to do as a leader and in his business, Amber Electrical. I think I'm most inspired by Gerald because he's been married now for almost 43 years. And he and his wife have four sons. They've got grandkids all over the place. I swear, I saw a family picture and it looked like an entire crew of people taking up the beach in Florida for a vacation that they were on. And he's someone that consistently not just talks about, but practices healthy growth. And that's what I want so bad for the people in our community is to understand what it looks like to model healthy growth. And of course, I can talk about that as a 29-year-old, but something changes when we get to learn about that from someone that's a 62-year-old. 
So I'm so excited for you to get to know his perspective, to learn from what he has learned. But I think in order to do that, it's best to understand his story. I'm just a, a Texas kid raised in Ennis, Texas. Went off to college for a short, very short stint and decided that wasn't for me. Came back and went to work in a, in a roofing manufacturing plant and was encouraged to get into the electrical industry. So I did. Had an uncle and a cousin in the industry and and basically they kicked me in, in place to, to have a good career. And then now here we are 43 years later and it's the rest is history. Started on the shop floor and was was very fortunate to be part of just great groups, but was taught a very good work ethic with my father and, and, and people around me and just put my head down and worked. And so so really long and short of it is, is I skipped over a lot of the good stuff from high school, but we some of that probably put me in jail these days, so I wouldn't <laughs> want to go there. So we'll leave that alone. Well, but, that's uh, what I was going to say, too, is I know you told me in, in high school, I mean, you were a pretty, you were a driven kid, but but a lot of times it was in yep. baseball and football. Weren't you part of like right. the state championship football team, all that yes. stuff in Texas, right? Yes, I was, actually. I graduated high school in 1976, uh, so it put me on the, the uh, football team of 1975, and that was actually the first state championship in, that in football that Ennis had ever had, and we've now have five totals. So that was a very good, very good experience. I was, I was learned, learned the, the art of coaching, the art of teamwork, the art of depending on others at a very early age. I was not a standout. I was a tight end. And if you, you know me now, Alec, you've seen me in person. I'm not a very big guy, but, but I was five, 10, maybe 155 pounds soaking wet, but I, I was around a lot of good players and just at a right, right spot at the right time. <laughs> Which I think people need to understand when you say state championship in oh. football in any of the 49 other states, it's yeah. like, wow, that's nice. When you say it in Texas, you're like, man, yeah. that kid's one step away from being in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I was, little, I couldn't even. It's a even, big deal, though. It's a big deal, but I couldn't spell NFL. So it was, <laughs> it was very, very, very uh, cool to be part of that. And actually, uh, yesterday, I ran into a kid that played football in 2014 here, and we struck up the conversation. And it's still a, 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 a talking point today, but learned a lot of hard work. My dad obviously taught me a great work ethic, but a lot of great work ethic was taught right there in the high school. And the teachers that that were laying out the foundation for, for me to be a successful person in society, many of them are, have passed on now, and I'm sure they would cringe if they knew I was running a, a 90 person, 100 person company, but uh, they would think, boy, the world's in trouble. But no, the, fa <laughs> the foundation was laid in that time frame and those teachers and, and coaches just uh, meant, meant the world to me and uh, several of them still do. I passed by one of them's house every day, my, my old line coach and baseball coach, Bill Cox. And I just I hope he's outdoors one day so I can catch him. He's, he's got some back issues. He's getting older, mm -hmm. but but anyway, he was one of those that at the time you was just didn't realize what you were getting taught. But uh, mm. yeah, st football in Texas is huge, no doubt. <laughs> well, and I think that brings up a good point because this is a topic that I know you are deeply passionate about. And, and you've talked to me with passion about this topic many times is just kind of that idea that you didn't go through college, like you didn't graduate right. college, but it wasn't because right. you didn't learn work ethic and you didn't have drive. That stuff was there. So can you speak a little bit to like your experience with regard to deciding not to go to college? Because I know that the way you perceive the things now is that like, man, college may not be for everyone and Correct. that's okay. Correct. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I'm, I'm the fifth of nine children, five boys, four girls. I'm right in the middle. My oldest brother was the valedictorian of his senior class in the 60s, went to UT, graduated as a CPA, hook em horns, right? Hook em horns, and, God bless him. <laughs> and then my sister was a salutictorian of her class, and she also went to Texas and became a school teacher, still lives down in the Austin area. And But the rest, the other seven of us, we just, for the most part, were, were not college material. I was not. I was at a point in my life where I went to college to try and go play baseball, but the studying part just didn't didn't register with me. I was young. I, I went I graduated high school when I was 17. I have an August birthday, so I was late turning 18. I just wasn't mature enough, but I knew how to work. And mm -hmm. and so as I went off to college for that brief stint to try and play baseball and then come back into the roofing industry, 
or the roofing manufacturing plant and then on into the electrical trade. I just know how to put my head down, two, two ears, one mouth, listen, work hard, learn. And, and actually that connected the dots. Once I got into the electrical field, it just, I, I realized my mechanical connection that I did and I had learned as a kid, even I, I use a term around here in Texas, if you can fix things with duct tape and bob wire, I can teach you how to be a good mechanic and make six figures. Mm. So I realized that college isn't for everyone and, and it's just not. And as long as you just work hard and, and play hard too, for that matter, but within reason, and you can, you can make a successful living. And if you're going to f- be a auto mechanic or, or if you're going to flip burgers, just be the best burger flipper you can be. Yeah. <laughs> don't have to be a college degree, but you can be. So again, I, I don't, I don't, I actually, once I got into the electrical industry, I realized that I could probably have been an electrical engineer because I developed the love for the industry, but I didn't know that when I was in high school. I was just too immature to get it. And that's one thing with you, Alex, I think in your case, you've, you knew kind of what was in your heart at an early age. And I just wasn't one of those guys. And guess what? It's okay. Well, that's right. And I think I, I mean, there are actually parallels. Like the only way that I figured it out was trial and error and, Mm -hmm. and our versions of trial and error looked very different. But the thing that's a little bit scary right now is that there's a lot of students that, that go through college, don't experience any of the trial and error, end up with a piece of paper, but still no clue what they want to do with their life. And like, it sounds like what you're advocating for is like, man, sometimes the best thing you can do is just work on something. Yep. That's right. And, and through that process, you'll find out too, what you don't want to do. And that's okay. I, I, my youngest son, I have married from to my wife, Katie. I've got to, got to get that out there real quick. In October, will be 43 years. Congratulations. Yeah, thank, you, thank you. Four grown sons, three daughter-in-law, seven grandkids. And my youngest son's not married yet, but uh, there's some discussion going on about that. And, and he, he, <laughs> I wonder if he know, he's cool with that being on a podcast. Yeah, right? I think <laughs> I think he will. I think he will be. He's been dating this young lady for four years. She's a doll, but they all are. I've got a really great family. Seventeen of us, and we just finished. A, just got back from a family vacation in Florida not long ago. But the the thing that that the youngest one was working in the landscape business. He went to A and M, by the way. So gig mags too. So we got to get both of them. Well, bless, you, you bless can't, his heart. You can't parent well with all of them, Gerald. <laughs> yeah, That's fine. Yeah. Some of them just get away from you. I <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. But he he came in as he was in high school. He was doing landscaping, and he said, "I know one thing. I ain't doing that the rest of my life. So it's okay <laughs> to go work and figure out what you ain't gonna do the rest of your life. It's okay." And so, but but you do you do have to kind of bump around and bounce around, bump your head, and just try some things out. And, and, and I would even argue out. that most of us don't bump around in a textbook. Like you yep. can't bump That's around right. in a textbook. And so Correct. even if you are going That's to college right. or if you've got kids going to college, don't expect that the textbook is going to be where they find their Correct. life's purpose or calling or leadership or any of that. Yep. Um, Great point. Great point. I, I, I'd love to know in those early stages when you're ju- you're essentially doing, I mean, the grunt work of it. Number one, what was your attitude like at that time? And then number two, were there any influential leaders that played a pretty transformational role for you in that season? There were. My wife and I got married at at a pretty young age. She was pretty much right out of high school, a few months, and I was a year or two out. And we started having kids pretty early. So, and I used a a term you just, I just knew how to work hard. I, I respected whoever I worked for. My parents taught me a great, that, that respect. I respected the boss and whatever he told me to do, obviously he needed to do it. And there were, so there were mo- almost all of my leaders and I, I still got to revert back to my head coaches and stuff and or, or coaches in general in high school and my parent, my dad too. He was my first boss. He ha- had a restaurant here in, in our local town. There was only a couple of them back in the seventies, of course. And as soon as school was out, I mean, first day, you're up at four o'clock in the morning and you're going at, I was, I don't know, 10 years old, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just teaching me we had to go to work and uh, put food on the table. So I, I used the term, I just went with, with you and Zach, I think first time I met you, I mean, I just put the blinders on, kept my head down and worked. And I had to, my, my, my mission statement was feed the kids. Cause I had, <laughs> <laughs> you know, feed my family, just got feed you my family. To. That's There's right. no other That's option. Right. 
That's right. So, so that was, I, I never, I mean, all, all of my leaders, I mean, I, I, there's probably, I respect all of them. Even, even the ones I, I hear people ask every once in a while, do you, have you ever seen anyone lead bad? Well, yeah, but I do. But on the other hand, they're your leader. You have to work for them. But you can't tell me the guys in the military don't get, they, they get asked to do things or told to do things they don't agree with every day. Kind of like in our deal. So I, I just respected the leaders and I felt like that they poured back into me because I did. And so that was very, again, it goes back to parenting. My parents were married forever and, and they both passed on now, but, but the, they just taught respect. I was raised in the church and, and you were just taught to respect. Now, was I an angel kid? Absolutely not. But you were taught where to stop when you knew what was right and wrong and where to, Hey guys, let's, let's don't go there. So fortunately, the good Lord blessed me with that, knowing where to do that. And I haven't been in a lot of trouble through my life. life and and I was right there where I could have teetered the wrong way, took the wrong fork in the road. Well, it's, it's so interesting. I've actually been spending some time thinking about this lately. It, it's almost like, I don't know if this is fair to say or not, but your generation, it seems like had a very healthy understanding of what it means to respect authority and why that is actually uh, valuable for you today and long-term. Like you're saying one of the greatest lessons that you got was, man, my parents taught me how to respect authority. And I I assume taught is sometimes disciplined you or taught you how to respect authority, right? But like, but, and that was almost like a nationwide not obviously entirely, but it was a nationwide guiding principle to a degree for your generation. And and I think sometimes people are lamenting the fact now that that doesn't exist nationwide, this this idea that there is, there is value in respecting authority. But one of the things that I've noticed is some of the greatest leaders that I know, although they know that that culture doesn't exist generally everywhere, they kind of take ownership themselves as saying, we are going to create that culture in our company. Correct. And I, I mean, is that fair? to say or do you think that that's an you know, accurate assessment it, you're, you're exactly right and but but alex you got to think too i was having lunch yesterday with a a, a young uh a kid and i know his dad he, this kid thinks he has an interest in our industry and i got you got to think back and, and you're not old enough to know do you, you don't remember life without a microwave oven you don't remember life <laughs> without a cell phone i mean there's just there wasn't that much distraction that is out there with with social media. I mean, what we're doing right now on a podcast and looking at each other on a computer miles away from each other, that wasn't out there. So again, I was thinking about this earlier today. I thought, man, what are we going to talk about? And I was kind of thinking about Amazon's changed the world. Well, no, it hadn't. We used to have milk routes. They showed up at your house too. And that was (laughs) back in the day. So way before the internet. But again, I just think there was less distraction and more respect and and unfortunately for the for society now there's just too much noise that i didn't hear in in my day i mean the world trade centers not being knocked down during 9 11 had that happened in the in my when i was 10 years old i would have had to wait till the next day to get the newspaper about it so there's just it's just too much too much noise that comes too quickly however that doesn't mean that I need to lean on that as an employer and blame that. I have to embrace it, and I do. And and it's not my way or the highway. It's it's how I challenge myself to understand, like that kid yesterday, what are you into right now so I can identify with that? Because what you're doing now as a 17-year-old kid is what I got to get up to speed on or I'm going to be left behind because that kid's my replacement. So, I mean, to me, that this just we can blame it and complain about it, or we can do something with it. And I enjoy. I, I'm challenging myself to figure out where to plug this kid in to our organization or to our industry as a whole. That's right, because I think the principle there is that if you are a victim of the fact that the world is changing, you right. won't get to participate in that change. That's right. You will, That's exactly you will be, right. It will it will crush you. And and yep. I feel like yep. I, I talk about Jordan Peterson every yep. time we get to chat now. But one of the things that he writes about in his new book is he's like, man, there's this powerful balance of someone that can understand and apply reverence to the rules and traditions of the past 
while simultaneously being hopeful and optimistic and excited about the future, future. and and creative, right? Like saying Correct. like some of those rules may have worked then, but they don't work now. Correct. And I like, this is not me blowing smoke, Gerald. I literally read that chapter and I was like, man, this is why Gerald is someone that I respect so much because you're 62 mm -hmm. and you deeply respect the traditions and what you've learned from the past. Right. And at the same time, you're one of the most growth oriented people that I know. Like, where did that, was that dynamic of constantly growing, but still rooted in structure and tradition? Is that something that came naturally to you? Or is that something that you've learned over time? How, where did that come from? Well, Alex, I, that's a great question. And I think about that. I think you challenge me a little with that. And, and others do other podcasts and things I listen to. But I think that you realize that and growing healthy, and you've you've put a great emphasis on that with one of your core values, is as an electrician. And again, I'm I'm not degreed. I'm not a PhD. I did find out PhD in our industry means post hole digger. I found that out this week. <laughs> but but you know you you just got to realize that you can't do things alone. If you want to go if you want to go fast, go alone. Right. If you want to go mm -hmm. far, go together. So you, you've got to realize and put your arms around that. I think I did learn it several years ago. I think my number three son was like 10 years old. And if, if there was probably a defining moment, this would probably be it. My, my third son, we were trying to go to the deer lease one evening and he's 35 now. So 25 years ago, and we were trying to load everything in the truck and I wanted to get there before dark. It's about an hour and a half drive and I'm going, come on, man, let's get this thing loaded. Well, dad, if you, come on, boy, hush up. Let's just load the truck and move on. And finally, after he interrupted me the third time, I said, what do you want? He said, if you'll move this and move that and plug this there and put that there, it'll all fit. I said, why didn't you say so? And he said, you wouldn't let me. Mm. So I learned real quick back then is like, hmm, two ears, one mouth again. So I, th I think it's I think it's learned along the way. But you, I, I can remember my parents too saying, boy, the youth of the world today. Well, I'm not going to be that guy that says that today. I'm going to mm -hmm. find out how to make the youth of the world today fit with what we can do together. You guys are much smarter than we were. You have access to too much more thing, too many more things. You didn't have to go get an encyclopedia off of a shelf to figure something out. All you got to do is ask Siri. That's the smartest woman I've ever met. So you know, I mean, <laughs> outside literally. of your wife, of course. That's right, right. That's right. Well, I think it's her voice. I really do think it's her. I think it's a direct line to her. But man, that's, I mean, that's honestly one of the things that I feel like God has just dropped in our lap in so many, in so many ways with regard to us growing the Path for Growth team the way that we are. And, and with regard to people like you becoming a coach is I'm starting to view, and I don't know that I've shared this with anyone yet. I'm starting to view one of our distinct value offerings as a company is the fact that we offer intergenerational advice, counsel, and support. Yep. And, and it, because it is so good for me as a 29-year-old to spend time with someone that's a 62-year-old. <laughs> and, and conversely, I would say that it's probably actually really helpful for someone who's 62 to spend yes. time with someone that's 29. Absolutely. And, and man, like if we can collectively create an environment where that happens in the context of deep seated respect, Correct. I just think, I really think growth is at the center of that. Agreed. Agreed. And, and I know you spend a lot of time with Michael Hyatt and others, Mike Valentin, people like that. I mean, they're near my age. And I, I, I think those are two great examples of people that have, um, done the same thing. I mean, think of Mike's story. I, I can remember when I heard his uh, podcast with you, I'm thinking, man, I did not see the end of that story coming yeah, to where it ended right. up. Well, I mean, but, blindsided yeah. by it. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. So, yeah, but I think, I think there's, there's uh, obviously value to that. You guys are very well educated. You're very, you're obviously your parents did a great job. I mean, I, I know the background with, with you and I think the same of Zach and the whole team. So yeah, I think it's valuable. Just, you just got to be an open, you got to be a continual learner. And I, I, I got to do that for my grandkids and my kids and my wife and, and anybody else if, at, at our church. I'm a deacon at our church, the same thing. Mm -hmm. and one of my personal core values, love Jesus and love others. And we're put here to serve. And what our core, our mission is, is to serve others. And uh, that's what we're here for. And so that, that just ties into that. How can I do that if I'm, if I'm continually a closed-minded person? That's right. 
So I'd love to jump back in your story and I would love to know you start, you start in roofing and essentially doing grunt work. At what point in your career trajectory does leadership enter into the picture? And when does that start to be a thing that you open your eyes? It's, it, it actually, because uh, I hear you ask that question similarly a lot, and I thought that's probably going to happen. But even as a, I wasn't a captain of my football team. I wasn't, I was a captain of my baseball team. But again, I, I think it just started early with that. And when, even when I was, went off to college and, and just didn't, I just didn't challenge myself. It just wasn't for me. I think I knew that. I may have been a little homesick. I don't know. I, I really don't ever think I was, but I think I could have been. But anyway, when I came back and went into the roofing manufacturing industry, they were adding a third shift. My dad worked at that plant, so he got me on, of course. And I was a foreman on this third shift that they added. So so it was. I was a leader there and then wasn't afraid to jump in the middle of it and get after it and try to lead. But I also remember at a very young age that I always wanted to treat people as if I wanted to be treated. So I wasn't trying to be hollering and screaming and be that guy. So then as I well, I was referred into the electrical industry, I had to learn the 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 from the field up. I mean, I start off in the on the in the field, didn't even know what how what some of the tools were, obviously. And uh, then as I got into that, shoot, you have to go through to get your journeyman's license. You have to do four years here in Texas and I'm sure other states are similar. But anyway, as soon as I got my license in 1983, I decided I wanted to go on and get a, a master's license. But it's almost as soon as I got my journeyman's license, I was put in charge of crews. So really, at just an early age, I think I think the thing that I would still say, and I, and I would hope my company would say this now, is I want them to want to work for us or with us. It's a team. It's a we. You know, I know Dave. You know, mentions always they speak French at Ramsey. It's we we <laughs> we. Right. we we do the same thing because it's about we. So, so anyway, I always tried to do that and tried to treat people the way I would want to be treated. So mm. that's been real successful. Fortunately, I saw that at an early age. And I, and I think the people that didn't treat me like that or treat others like that is like, why would you want to work for a person like that? Because you, even though you're not electrical, I could have an electrical problem present it to you and you could have the answer. Mm. I mean, you literally could by... Again, back to the kid loading the truck for the deer lease. He had the answer. So why not listen? You know, so. it takes a, it takes a degree of humility Correct. to do that, though. Exactly. What are the lessons early on in your leadership journey that you feel like you had to learn the hard patience? Maybe learning, you know, maybe learning. Yeah, the hard yeah. way. <laughs> still learning, still working on that. Well, and, and again, it's kind of a great segue into what we're going through now at our company. We're we're following. Well, let me back up. I, I was trying to read every book, get my hands on everything, because again, I felt like I was the lid of the business. And that, that's a Maxwell. Yeah, correct? you are the I'm lid. Yeah, I'm the I'm the lid and the and I'm the I'm the problem and the solution. Which uh, when I knew I was the problem, it was like okay, now I've got to be the solution. But anyway, you just you got to. I was trying to look for help. And was reading reading a lot of books. I've got Michael Hyatt's Vision Driven Leader here. A great still, book. Yep, great book. But it I kind of read them out of order. But I, I found Geno Wickman's EOS Traction book. I'm sorry, and that just hit a that just identified with me. And I realized at the time, because of my patience as a leader, I feel like I was doing my true visionary leadership approach on this thing. But I wasn't being filtered by an integrator. So again, that, that gets a little deeper and we may or may not touch on that, but. Well, no, I, I think that's really helpful to touch on because I think that's a lot of the people that we work with, because I think yeah. like in many ways, impact driven leader can be synonymous right. with visionary leader because it's someone that cares deeply about people and thinks almost entirely about the difference that they want to make on the world around them. Right. And sometimes they can leave people in the dust. Correct. And so what I'd love to know is maybe a past version of Gerald, what like what does impatient Gerald look like around the office or like how do people experience the impatience associated with that that you've had to learn to kind <laughs> of bring self-control to bring yep. patience to bring discipline? That's that's a good, another good point. I, I, the company I'm with now, Amber Electrical Contractors in Dallas, I've only been here uh, three years. The, the founder wanted to retire and him and I uh, worked out a deal anyway. So I brought my oldest son over with me. And I felt like I'm very energetic. They, they, my nickname around the office is Energizer Bunny. 
And again, I didn't really know about the visionary integrator approach. And uh, we took some culture index is what we use. And, and it, it really helped me identify that uh, how people were wired, that they can't help it. And supposedly you're wired that way at, at like 12 or 13 years old and you can't change it. So we were, I, I, would, I would come up with 10 ideas a day. Let's get them done by Friday, leave the room. And <laughs> by Friday, none of them are done. Get it. And again, I know you've heard that presentation before tens on a slow week usually it's 20 or more and and it just things weren't happening so as as we got into the traction book and eos model i I realized that i was that that's where the problem was coming so when we identified between culture index and the eos model that we understood like in my son that's actually my integrator and ceo of our company here in dallas i I couldn't understand why he couldn't work with me i mean you've known me 41 years guy come on you're 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 41 why don't you get what we're doing and when my culture index coach coach told me he said gerald he can't he's not wired that way nathan is not wired that way he's that guy you got to plant the seed water the seed get the fruit later and you know which that's outrageously valuable Ab- like absolutely it's not absolutely. wrong it's just nope. it's only wrong if y'all can't figure out how to work together correct correct but that identified the entire thing with the, the entire organization and the leadership team so it, it dialed me back and I, I, I told uh my guys i said if you'll read this book it will make your life better being traction being traction because of it will it will help me dial back off of you. So I think that they I think you, you, your question was how would they describe impatient Gerald would be? He he was all over the place. He he comes in and just I think I've heard uh, the old pooping poop or swooping poop method. I come in with a <laughs> bunch of ideas, drop them, and go figure out. You guys had to figure it out, and they they don't know which one to take care of. So with the idea of the if, of the integrator. And uh, Nathan taking and, and filtering me, they can, we as a team can take the best ideas for the company and move forward. And even though in my mind, because I'm still an impatient person because I'm visionary and that's how I'm wired and I can't, can't help it, even though we're making progress each week, those spikes, if you look up in, in 52 weeks, you've made, you know, several spikes then you're you're making a ton of progress. I can see right now the progress we've made in just a few. We've only been truly operating since January. We we actually kicked it in in October, but officially and formally January. And it's just it's miles ahead of where we were, miles ahead. And and I'm not saying EOS and tractions for everyone. It may not identify with with everyone. It just helped me. Well, so, and and I think the power too is again we come back to humility. Correct. You and the business submitted it to a system, to an operating right. system. And Correct. and whether it's EOS or four disciplines of execution or I mean, there's so there's so many possible yeah. systems or formats out there. Yeah. But the, the 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 difference really isn't the system. It's it's the submission. Like I'm right. going to submit to this. Was right. that hard for you to do at first? No, it really wasn't. It, it, I think it was harder for the others to trust, I think, in it. But I'm telling you, in the first three weeks, the meetings, they, we were all, we have, we have our leadership meetings every Monday morning at 930. And everyone for the first month said, I can't sleep all night because I'm looking so forward to that meeting. Mm-hmm. And it, so it was, it's, I, and I, I, I feel the energy still that way. I was out of town this week and, or I, I was just on the road and, and Nathan was out of, out of pocket. So we called in. And I mean, even though you're calling into those meetings, it just makes so much more uh, progress and, and and stuff. But no, it it was it wasn't hard for me. I, I felt like, again, is it happening at the speed I, I want it to? No, but yours isn't either. Nobody else's <laughs> is. Is it, right? is it ever? Is it ever? Is it ever? Is it ever? <laughs> if you're a visionary, it never is. And it it's real funny when you talk to other people that are that have integrators, and and the integrators can't see what we as visionaries can see, and it's okay. We got to have that. We got to have that clarity and that that guidance, if you will. So. Well, and it's pretty amazing. And I think it's part of the the genius of God is like all the things that you're talking about that can be the biggest nightmare for your company yep. can also be your greatest strengths and gifts to your company. Correct. But I wrote this down the other morning, Gerald, and I think it applies here. It, it's just the idea that you, 
you sacrifice your strengths when you're in the wrong seat. Correct. And it's it's kind of like that's what you were doing for a while or yep. and what I've been capable of doing in the past too. And what we run into so many leaders doing is like you've got all this visionary energy, but you're you're in the wrong seat because you're also in the business. And every time yep. you walk in there, you're a tornado and it's a Correct. mess. Man, Thanks, that's for that com- Thanks for that compliment. I think it's tornado and it's a mess. Thank you for that, Alex. <laughs> yeah, of course. My, my pleasure. Yeah, just, <laughs> That was just, free. Yeah. yeah, that's right. No problem. <laughs> that's great. I'd love to know because you're now stepping into this ad- advisory role of other leaders. And what's so cool is like we say, oh, Gerald's becoming a coach. It's like Gerald has been a coach for a very long time. <laughs> time, right? Like Gerald is head coach within Amber Electric. He's he's coach within Innis, Texas. Like your like mentorship is in your DNA. Right. Now right. we're just slapping a path for growth title on it and we're gonna yeah. say, okay, go run and do this for other people now. But you're stepping into this role now. I'd love to know what is the lesson from the season that you've been through with EOS and with raising up your son and your leadership team and all of this that you're most excited to pass on to other leaders? That's a great question, too. Man, you asked some good ones. The I think I think the the biggest thing is you don't have to know it all. You know, you don't you don't just because you own the company or you're the CEO or whatever, you don't have to know it all. There's so much help available. And and again, there's what, 30 some odd thousand books that were produced recently about leadership. You can read them all. They all have the same connotation. They have the same tone. They have the same sound. But I think it even circles back, treat people the way you'd want to be treated. Mm. So just and, and just do do the right thing, do the right thing, even if it costs you money sometimes. And that's probably all the time. I mean, it, it's just th- that to me is you don't have to go it alone. And I had a conversation with a fellow that, that kind of a coaching, just friend. And that was his, his deal. He said, I just never have reached out and asked for help. And I, that's stressful when you got all that loaded on you. Even, even if you don't own the company and you're, a, let's just say you're a mid-level, mid-level supervisor somewhere, you have a lot on your shoulders. You need to get in peer groups and work with others and just have conversation about what's going on because no matter what, someone's been where you've been no matter what and and it's it's hard to talk to some people that haven't been there especially if they're not a leader but but leaders have been there i had lunch with a competitor uh, of ours here in fort worth dallas fort worth not long just last couple of weeks ago we didn't go in there and trade any trade secrets we didn't do anything illegal we were in there just talking about how to operate on the business and people need that relief i mean you you've got to be able to talk that out and know that you're not in it alone uh, mm. you know, it doesn't have to be lonely at the top. And and if you find the right peer group, it won't be. So, man, I think that's one of the, I think I'm glad you hit on that because I think it's one of the things that you have modeled for me in many ways that I've observed in you. I haven't told you this, but my nickname for you that I tell <laughs> Zach, every time Zach and I talk about you, I just say, man, the guy is a social savant. I said, he just like, he just, he's a people person. He's a social yeah. savant. And, and so that's what I'm calling you from now on. I hope you're okay. cool with that. All right. But it, like, it, it just seems to me, and I think this is a bygone thing in some ways that my generation doesn't utilize as much. In some ways, like your natural impulse is to pick up the phone and call someone yep. or to take someone to lunch or just yep. to have a conversation. And I think sometimes that's one of the areas where I can be weak is I think I need to find this online or in a book. And so can you speak to the value of just like being willing to have conversations with people that you don't even necessarily where they're going to land? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is a key thing. And it's, it's a, it's kind of a balance because you'll, you'll find, and sometimes I'm, I'll, I'm, I'll just ask, I know you and I've got a a call next week and I'm just going to ask, what do you prefer? Because it's real funny. You'll find I've got a, an older gentleman that is a pretty good friend of mine in the industry as well. And he's in his late seventies, but he'll text you in a heartbeat. He don't want you to call him. So you got to kind of find out what the best balance is for people. So in the old days, you literally had to be in the office or find a pay phone, which most of your listeners probably don't know what that is. But anyway, <laughs> but you know, you literally had to physically talk to people. And, and again, back to the body language and all that, it's just like you and I doing this podcast so we can see each other's body language. 
that means something to me. I can read a room pretty well. I didn't know I could, but but when you take last year in where a lot of that got moved out where you couldn't, that's hard to, that's a good proof of that. Reading room, reading people, putting them at ease and, and, and things like that. You just, yeah, it's just the, the social connection we all need as, as people. I mean, it's proven. I mean, I think they've even done it in, in laboratory animals where you separate. No, it's it, it's it's just key that. You, and I had a, had a former boss that told me, he said, if you always start the question off, "Hey, Alex, this is Gerald. I need some help." Are you ever going to turn me down? And if I'm a jerk, you will. But but if the if the leading question is, "Hey, I need some help," or "I need some guidance," or "I'd like your opinion," nobody's ever going to turn their back on you. And if they do. You probably shouldn't be talking to them anyway. Why do you think we don't do that? I just, I think, and, and you don't have kids yet, so, so, but I mean. <laughs> Maybe I'll know, need a lot more help. Yeah, Maybe I'll be making yeah, a lot more yeah, of those phone yeah, calls. And yeah, yeah. Well, I just, again, I think it's just back to the change of how we were raised. And again, another good, good thing, I, I went to Summit a couple of weeks ago and, and all that. I mean, what, what do buffaloes do? What do cows do? I want to be a buffalo. and you Yeah, they run you know, into the storm, run right? into the storm. And you run, buffaloes go into the storm, cows run away from it, which the buffalo, by being in the storm, going to it, are in it shorter, less time. And and that's a true scenario. I mean, we're going to, you've got to go to it. You you hide a problem, it just fest, it festers. It doesn't get better. So that that's what I've always tried to do. And I tell people a lot of times the most, the toughest conversations are the ones you don't have. Because in your mind and in your heart and in your body, you're making up what if, what is this person going to say? What, how is he going to react? And the whole time, then you finally you lose sleep and two or three nights and then you go talk to him and he'll go, ah, okay, no problem. It's just, I've, <laughs> I've seen that happen. Even in my own, I mean, I've put them off because you feel like something could go awry, but you just got to have the conversations and, and just meet it head on. And don't be, a, don't be, you know, rude about it. Have a, have a good, respectful conversation respecting people and addressing it. But yeah, I, I think I think that's, you don't have to, I can text my wife or I can, I couldn't do all that back before. And it was just much more effective that that if you really stay in touch with people, and some of them tell you, I mean, some don't want you to, I get it. And I would respect that, but you just have to respect what they want. But I do truly think, slow down, make a phone call, do something personal makes a big difference. And and I and I don't do it enough. I mean, with our guys, we got 80, 90 people. I I do not go out. I mean, one of my goals for next week, which I'm I'm gonna put on my list, is actually the on Tuesday I'm I'm starting the rest of the year and beyond is is to do a better job of personally going out on our job sites. Mm, more yeah. often. Yeah. Management by walking around yep. and just getting Absolutely. out there. I yep. love that. And I love that you use that phrase stay in touch too, because I think one of the misconceptions that I had early on was that like every conversation needs to be a peak or valley conversation. Yep. Like every time mm -hmm. I'm in touch with someone, it needs to be talking about the best possible thing or the worst possible thing. And otherwise there's no reason to have a conversation. And yeah. it's like, man, the mm -hmm. most valuable conversations are probably actually the ones where it's just like, we're staying in touch. We're yep. making deposits because yeah. like to go back to our previous metaphor, the storm is coming. The storm, like yep. there is no question, yep. like the storm is coming. Yep. The question is when the storm comes, will you have people yep. that you have relationships with or you will you be reaching out to people saying, oh, shoot, I need to explain the last 10 years of my business to you yep. because now this storm is happening and I'm just going to try and catch you up. And that just doesn't yep. seem very helpful. No, no. It's funny. You, I, I had a guy that we do some, he's in their business and I saw something. I was actually working at my home office and that particular day, I want to say it was during COVID last year. Anyway, he had, he had been somewhere. I just picked up the phone and called him and said, hey, man, how's it going? And he said, it's good. I said, I saw you just got back from a vacation and I just wanted to make sure everything's going right. He said, OK, so what do you need? Nothing. <laughs> and he said, you called just to see if I was doing OK. Yeah. And and I don't do that enough, no doubt. But still, he said that, I, and he's probably in his forties. He said, "I've never had anybody do that for me, to me." 
So again, I, I didn't, you know, I think about him on occasion just because of that. I never thought about it. I never thought that just calling just to just because sometimes. So it does. It makes a lot of impact. You're right because if something bad's happening or something good happening, what about what about when everything's can make right. an impact? Yep. Related to that word impact, I, I know the reason why you're joining the team, like you have a passion for impact-driven leaders like we do. Yep. Like, and you've had time on our office hours conversations and in our workshops and just in talking to the clients and members that are already part of the Path for Growth community. And and you are you are a very good observer. What are some things that you've observed can be potential hangups or things that get in the way of progress or block progress for the impact driven leader? I think I think that a lot of times it's just having the perspective of of others that are in the in the storm with you, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. or or just a, an opinion of someone that may have have been there, but maybe. So I can think of just a recent one where uh, a young lady on one of the office hours mentioned wanting to stay small in her in her business and i thought she, i think I, I think i even called her out this week i think she's I said, man you're weird uh, why would you want to stay small why would you not want to grow and she wasn't saying that and but yet it, it it made me go back and look at myself and go back to the whole thing impact driven healthy growth doesn't necessarily mean growing a, a profit margin or a bottom line or a, a, a top line top line growth and healthy growth can mean personally at home in church with your family and and I think that's what she was kind of getting at so the things that get in the way sometimes or or just keep the blinders on and you don't look outside the blinders which when I, I sold another business in 2011 that was the first thing that helped me do is once I sold it the blinders really fell off and I saw a lot more that I had missed so so the blockers, I just think we're our own worst enemy. And, and, and some of the other path for growth leaders that I know, they, they think they're not confident or whatever. And it's like, guys, you're, you're in business. You're on this call. How much confidence does that show? So I just think we're always harder on ourselves than we really, who, yeah, you're harder on your people closest to you. So I think it's just the, the, and I think there's a little affirmation too. I think people want to hear it from someone else, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and you just can't call someone that's not, in the same fire with you, I guess. If you're if you're an owner, or if you're a president, or if you're an operator, or COO, if you're in a a, lead, a leadership role, then you can go to these others and bounce things off of your peers. And that's been some of the best thing I've had is peer groups. And I challenge all of my people: get in a peer group. Get if you're CFO, get in a CFO peer group. If you're HR, get in an HR peer group. They have the they have the things. And I just think most of us normalists think you're supposed to pull up your your boots and get after it and solve the problem. And sometimes all you got to do is just ask, hey, we've got this working. What do y'all do with that? Mm. And I'm in two or three peer groups right now that I help that with and some are around the country. And it's just been, it's been very helpful. And the Path for Growth Connection as well, Rusty and April and I mean, Amber and Ben. I mean, it's just, it's just great to listen to some of those. And not, sometimes you don't say anything. You just listen. That's right. And, and you can oh learn my gosh. Them. Yeah. I feel like I've got the greatest gig in the world. Yeah. It's like all, I get to listen to smart people have conversations with yeah. each other, and yeah. I just sit back yeah. and watch sometimes. Yeah. It's like, and well, usually, <laughs> yeah, and usually we have the answer. You, I, and you do a, you do a great job of pulling it out of us. Of uh, sometimes you got to drill deep. I get it, but it, it does force us to uh, self reflect, which I, I just think most people won't do that. And some people just won't make the call and ask for help because they, they think it's a sign of weakness. And I just don't believe that. That's right. Yeah. And and you are making yourself weak by believing that's right. a sign of weakness. Correct. Like, Correct. what does it look Correct. like? Peterson says you have to be willing to look like a fool if you're ever going to yep. become a master. Correct. And But going back to that Amber example, I love that because Amber is, I mean, she's one of the most creative leaders I know, but yep. probably is the most creative leader I know. She's, I work with her in a one-on-one capacity and she's been with us from the beginning, but what 
and we're probably going to have her on this podcast at some point as well, just because she's so smart on so many things. But yep. also, like you said, she looks at things differently right. because when when she says, I don't want to get big, you and I look at her and I'm like, what? What? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. You don't want to grow? Yeah. And she said, I didn't say I don't want to grow. Yeah. It's like what yeah. she's saying is she says, yeah. instead of being fat and sloppy, I want to be lean and focused That's and right. effective. And it's like, mm-hmm. man, I need to be around a person like that because I know my personality is outrageously capable of creating something that is fat and sloppy. And it's like, I need to be surrounded by people that are focused on lean and effective. And I need those voices in my life. Right. That's right. And, and too, that's another thing, Note not to be chauvinistic or anything, but women's perspective, which I like that with the groups that all the groups that we're in or that I take part in have ladies in it and younger people, older people, and, and women will have a different perspective. And instead of us, especially in my electrical industry, it's not it's not very common, but there are ladies have a great different look at things. Mm-hmm. And and if you'll if you'll if we can listen and take that wall down sometimes again with my generation, obviously, it was much different than what it is with yours. But but it's still there's some smart people and they're in all kinds of packages. Just listen. That's right. That's absolutely right. Okay. Before we, before we kind of move on to some of the closing questions, I want to hit on the topic of retirement a little bit, because I know that this is something you've talked about before. What is the line about like, because you left one company before you stepped into Amber Electric and became president of that company. What is your line about retirement again? Well, I, uh, yeah, 2011, I sold a company that I was part of from, from 98 to 2011. So a few years. And uh, I, 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 I retired for about three and a half hours and started started planning on the next the next chapter. I was 53. I mean, so it was it was I was not ready to retire. And my wife, if you if she was sitting in here, she would say, and he's not going to. So <laughs> I, I enjoy being active. My, the good Lord's blessed me with health, blessed me with with more than I could have ever asked for or suspected, mainly because of her. She's a solid as they come and, and you, you're going to meet her, I think, later in July. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, she, I, know, I mean, she's, she's definitely way better than you, so I yeah. can't wait to. Yeah, meet her. that's exactly right. <laughs> You'll love her, but but she's she's a doll. Anyway, it, it's just I, I just I needed to do more. I mean, I needed again back. I think into the chapter part of it. I'll be sixty three in August, and you start seeing going down the other side of the mountain. But I just think that I have uh, I owe it to God and and so, to be the servant that He put me here to be. He's blessed me so much. How can I not bless others? Mm-hmm. And that's just what I believe. And, and and again, it starts with my family and my grandkids and, and my, my daughter-in-laws and kids and all that. But still, there's just more to do. And until I'm just not capable, I'll just keep on going. And unless for some reason something really crazy happens where I don't enjoy it. But right now I'm having the time of my life at, at in my early 60s. So I forward to it. Man, that right there is one of the best anecdotal explanations of the phrase strength is for service that I've ever heard because it's like, it turns out you're not strong for the golf course. Like that's Mm -hmm. not why you're strong or that's not why you're strong. It's like, and, and I have nothing against golf. I don't have the patience for golf, but I have nothing against (laughs) golf. Right. But it's like, I, I just believe we were created for contribution and this whole picture online right now that says you need to work like crazy so you can retire by 40 or 50. I just don't, I think it's a false summit. It is. And I I would, it it depends on your wiring and all, but retirement's not free. And, and it's also, it's a little overrated. I mean, you really, I think, I think it's in Michael Hyatt's one of his podcasts that, that your people retire and average lifespan is five years. And I, I'm not going to live forever. I, I know I'm not going to get out of here alive. No one has. I don't think <laughs> the Lord's going to let me be the first. But still, there's there's just more to life. And as you age and you I try to you try to exercise and do things, and you're, I know you're a runner. I used to be. My knees tell me I'm not anymore. But you got to do other things. But it, it goes back to something you said early in the podcast is you got you got to treat people the way that they need that they deserve to be treated and and they'll remember how you made them feel so i have a i have an obligation to do that and if i can help lead my city or i can help lead the company or if i can help path for growth that's what i want to do and mm-hmm. and and along the way you're going to make friendships along the way and it's not it's just it just feels like that's 
what you're supposed to do. I don't, I don't know how else to put it. It's that simple. That's right. Yeah. And it, and it, I think sometimes we say it can't be this simple, but it really can be this yeah, simple. It's it like, is. this is just what you're supposed to do. It's just the Correct. next right thing. That's right. So with that, it's like when most people are winding down, you're taking on more opportunities and more work. <laughs> you're going to be, I mean, you're going to be taking on some one-on-one clients, which is, yep. is so exciting because that's just where I see it for me in my personal journey most of my greatest transformation has happened in one-on-one commitments with people where they're intentionally investing in me and holding me accountable and we're walking a path for growth together. And that's what that's what you're going to be doing with other leaders around the country. What's the thing that you think you're most excited about with regard to stepping into this new role? The pulling making people better versions of themselves. I mean, I really, when I look at me having a part in that is like, I just really, I mean, I'm not a salesman. I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not a coach. I'm not that guy, but, but the more and more that I work with folks, no matter what level, what age you you can see that you turn a light bulb on in their, in their mind or in their, oh, I didn't think about it like that. Or I hear from Amber, hey, I don't want to be that big company. And and it turns a light bulb on in my mind. I mean, all of that, the continual learning part, the, the, uh, it's just that the continual learning is what is so exciting to me. I'm not going to, I don't have it all figured out by any means. I'm building, I'm a, I'm a work in progress and I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to learn as much as the people that I'm working with from them. And I look forward to that and I'm going to admit it to him. I so, mean, that's you know. I mean, that's what's so bizarre about this whole thing is like you reached out to become a Path for Growth customer and work mm-hmm. in the one-on-one coaching capacity. We've now worked in a one-on-one coaching capacity. And it's like we've <laughs> opened our eyes to where, well, well, why wouldn't Gerald be doing this? And people say it's yeah. like, man, if that's not from God, I don't know what yeah. it is. Like, it's just it's too, too bizarre to be from us. It like, is. It, it is. Absolutely. No yeah, you, that's exactly right. And, and so I, I'm just so pumped about the fact that people are going to have the opportunity to learn from you. I'm also pumped about the fact that you don't see yourself as a coach because I, <laughs> I don't see myself that way either because I just, ugh, I, I don't actually yeah. love the word coach because for me, coach right now is being marketed as a professional advice giver. Right. And, and it's like, we're not, we're not going to be that at Path for Growth. Right. We will not be professional advice givers. We are going to be leaders who are leading in the marketplace who just happen to be using some of their free time to be serving and investing other leaders around them, which is what we should be doing anyway. Right. And and so like, that's what I'm so excited about. It's like Amber Electric isn't going anywhere. And Gerald is going to be the full-time owner, CEO, visionary who is daily learning how to lead Amber Electric better. And Conversely, he's going to simultaneously be at the same time, be pouring into others who are on their leadership path as Correct. well. Man, Correct. that formula Correct. just gets me so stoked. Yep. Me too. It's, it, it's, and, and even, even further back, I'm, I'm still going to be operating Amber, but I'm Amber Electric, but I'm also going to be pouring back into that because of the things I learn from these impact driven leaders across the country or across the state or wherever. And if, I'm going to take it back. It's a, it's a, it's two way. Uh, street. I mean, it, it, there's going to be some things that flush out of that, but and and, and we'll be better people for it. So. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, before we go to the final question, I, I'll tell people that we're going to put Gerald's uh, Path for Growth email address in the show notes of this episode. So if you just want to reach out about something that you learned or just say thank you, or if you're interested in working with Gerald, I know that he'd love to schedule a, a phone call or a conversation with you. He is smack dab in the middle of his 90-day process getting ramped <laughs> up right now. So, And man, the guy has already taken on clients too, which is super <laughs> exciting. People want some Gerald, which is great <laughs> news. And, and then we'll also put the link to Gerald's LinkedIn account if you want to connect with him on there. He's also on LinkedIn pretty actively. Any anything else you would point people to, or does that sound about right, Gerald? That I have, yeah, that'll that'll work. The the path of growth email is probably the best way to get me on LinkedIn as well. We are pretty active there. Yeah, that'd be the best too. 
Awesome. Final question I have for you, just because I think it ties in so much to the mission that we're on to help impact-driven leaders practice healthy growth. There are so many times on our office hours conversations, which to set the context for people, this is multiple leaders on a call. Sometimes it's three leaders. Sometimes it's up to 15 to 20 leaders, just because it's an optional call available to everyone in the Path for Growth community. And there's there's been multiple times where on on that call, someone's talking about something and you don't say much, but the one phrase that I have heard you say multiple times is, hey, remember one day you're going to be 60. Yep. And, and it's like it changes the conversation like that. And so I guess what I'd like to hear from you just for us to close out this conversation is when you say that one sentence, what is the message that you're trying to send? You know, the, that, Alex, and, and it's real funny. <laughs> I got to throw this in there. I, I can, the first time you and Zach and I met, I was just trying to feed the kids hot dogs on Friday and I woke up and I was 60. The message <laughs> is don't get so caught up in the, in the, in the daily noise and the daily junk because I know, I know our parents said the same thing, but I had no clue that it would happen so fast. Time goes so quickly. And uh, it really goes quickly when you're 29. You just don't realize it. But but if you'll just take the time to reflect back of where you've been and where you've come in such a short time. I mean, think about it. When you were graduating high school, Alex, you remember it. How long ago was it? It was a long time ago. And it went like that. So so it, it happens the same. And in my heart, I'm still 29. I think I can still take you. But I'm, I'm pretty sure my body says otherwise. So, yeah. Don't, I'm, don't. I'm actually kind of confident you might be able to do that, too. I'm, not... I'm in, in a race. I'm in a race. Sorry. But, no, it's just don't get so caught up in the, in, the, in the grind. I see this about grind, grind, grind. It's not a grind. Enjoy the freaking ride. Enjoy the ride. It's really a great. There's so many things I've seen along the way. I mean, I, I can't, we don't have time to talk about them all. And I had no clue when I was 18, I was going to get there, but I have taken, I've been able to reflect back on that, enjoy it along the way and don't reflect back as much. Enjoy the view, enjoy the ride. So that, because you'll be here, I'm telling you, it goes so quick and your kids do too. I mean, I've got two forty, one forty two, and one forty year old. My wife has more problem with that than I do, but still it's, it goes so quickly. So enjoy, enjoy life. Do the, do the good stuff. Put the phone down and, and all. And I'm sure my wife, will, when she hears this, will go, yeah, you need to listen to that. But it is. Set it aside. <laughs> go enjoy things. Stay off of social media. Do some of that things. Enjoy the real. Man, that is one heck of a message. Enjoy the freaking ride. And I mean, one of our core values that, I mean, everyone that we're interviewing right now to be a Path for Growth coach or part of the Path for Growth team in any capacity has to exemplify these core values. And one of those core values is alignment, which means that they don't just have a message, but they live the message that they give. They don't just give advice. They live the advice that they give. And man, like that is why I'm so excited about this is because I, every time I interact with you, I leave saying that is a guy that is working really hard and he's at the same time enjoying the freaking ride. Yep. And yep. I want yep. more of that in my life. But more than that, I think I want that in the lives of our customers because I think yep. that that's something we so easily forget. So, man, this is the first of many conversations. Thank you so much for your time, for your yes, investment. Sir. And I'm just convinced, man, the best is yet to come. I, I agree, Alex. And I, I appreciate you putting the confidence in me to do that. And I've, I've warned you, you'll have to harness me on occasion because I'm just a good old country boy from Texas. And I'll, I'll, I'll probably say some things that probably don't align with you, but that's okay. We'll, I won't, <laughs> it won't be terrible. There you go. Very good. <laughs> Thank you for your confidence in me. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Bye bye. Well, we tell you all, all the time that we are building this business in public. It's one of our guiding principles as a business that we're not going to go behind the scenes to create something that's polished and perfect and then show it off to all of you. We're going to bring you on the path with us. You're going to be on the journey. And man, Gerald is smack dab in the middle of his onboarding process right now. He is absolutely crushing his 90-day plan, and he's already gotten on-ramped with some Path for Growth customers who were interested in one-on-one coaching. And I wanted to share a little bit with you about what that program actually is, if that's something that you are interested in as a business owner or as a business leader. 
It's probably the most intensive and personal way that we work with impact-driven leaders. The way that we structure or characterize our one-on-one coaching program is we say that our coaching is always going to be directional, number one, and relational, number two. So directional means that we are always going to take you from here to there. So we always want to take you somewhere because that's part of leadership. So we're not just going to sit around and have a kumbaya circle where we talk about about stuff. No, we want you to go somewhere. We want you to grow somewhere. And so that's why the first thing we do within one-on-one coaching is we have an initial intensive where we create your personal leadership and business growth dashboard. This gives us some items that we can hold you accountable to so that we make sure we're delivering on our commitment to making you a stronger person, leader, and business six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, than you are today. And then relational, we want to provide you with perspective and accountability. We believe that great things happen, just as Gerald talked about in this conversation, when you have someone that knows your context, when you have someone that you deeply trust, that you admire, that you can learn from, that you respect, that you can have conversation with, and you have the opportunity to verbally process things, not because you've got it all right in your head, but rather because we've got to get it out of your head. And we got to be able to tell you, hey, you're being an idiot, or hey, that's really good, double down on that, or hey, you're lacking confidence, or hey, you can grow in this area or, hey, this is an opportunity for development. A lot of times that's things that we can't see on our own and we need the help of others to see it for us. And so that's what one-on-one coaches do within Path for Growth. Beyond that, you also get access to our whole membership, which is all of the workshop recordings that we have, the office hours conversations that we have as a community every single week, and invitation to any of our in-person Path for Growth experiences, which our first one is coming up here very soon in Colorado Springs. So if that's something that you're interested in is being a part of this Path for Growth community, specifically in a one-on-one capacity, go ahead and click the link in the show notes of this episode and someone from our team will set up a time to have a phone call with you and just see if it would be a good fit. Also, one final piece before we go, every Wednesday, we send out an email called Worth It Wednesday. That's because most email isn't worth it, not worth the time, not worth the energy. So we wanted to create one that is. Every Wednesday, we send out a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. There's so many of you that are on that list now, and so many of you are truly reading it. Seriously, we hear from y'all, and that's just absolutely awesome. We're so grateful to you for taking those recommendations, for taking those questions and putting them into action, because that's what this is all about, and that's where growth actually comes from. So if you want to get on that list, we'll also put the link to the Worth It Wednesday sign up in the show notes of this episode. Hey, we're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.